Welcome to episode 16 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. We're going to start things off a little differently today. We have some sad news to report out of Sylvania, Ohio. The Sylvania youth hockey community is mourning the loss of nine-year-old Jackson Weiss, who was tragically killed in a traffic accident on Saturday. Jackson was a member of the 2010 Sylvania North Stars and son of Jeff, a coach of the team, who was also critically injured in the accident and remains hospitalized. The Sylvania North Stars ask for all members of the hockey community to keep the Weiss family in their thoughts and prayers and to put sticks out for Jackson. On behalf of the Ohio Hockey Digest and the On Air Podcast, we extend our condolences to the Weiss family and all of the Sylvania hockey family, as well as the hockey community in Ohio for the loss of young Jackson. We'll now have a moment of silence in respect for Jackson. Thank you. My name is Jason Lewandowski. I'm here with producer Dan Humphrey. We are a man down today. Bad, bad storms throughout the Northeast Ohio area has left one member of the crew, Mr. Tim Sullivan, unable to join us today. I believe Tim has his floaties on and he's in his basement getting water out after the storms that just came through. What he's, do you think uh, about all that? He's always saying, you know, transitioning to the news, he wants to get on that pond, pontoon boat or <laughs> dive on in. Well, guess what, Saul? You're diving on in right now. <laughs> yeah, Saul's probably knee deep in it right now. And uh, But I'm sure that the rain, which we did need, and it will be definitely beneficial for his garden. Yes. <laughs> uh. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL is the nation's largest amateur ice hockey league and the only league to span the continental United States and parts of Canada. The USPHL will field approximately 550 teams in 2020-2021, representing over 100 organizations comprised of 11,000 players spanning the ages of 6 through 20. Overall, across all of its divisions, the USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey in the 2019-2020 seasons and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including the NHL. Learn more at usphl.com. Last week, we went to school. We sat down with a rising star in the game of hockey from Clarkson University. Assistant Captain Lauren Bernard joined us to talk about her beginnings in the Mentor Youth Program, then to the Penn's Elite Program and Selects Academy before entering Clarkson to begin her NCAA academic and athletic career. Talk about a person that has it together from the start of how she ended up choosing Clarkson with all of the different uh, uh, things she needed to check off to pick her school at, I mean, God, what she have about 10 choices. She chose Clarkson by narrowing it down over what mattered to her academics, then athletics. It was a phenomenal conversation to talk to somebody so young yet so mature in her years. Yeah. I mean, uh, probably one thing that impressed me the most about her was like you said, her sitting down and making that pros and cons list. Um, but then actually, you know, looking at she had the opportunity, you know, to go to Ohio State and after visiting campus, realized that it just wasn't the right fit for her and wanted, you know, something more small, something more personable, which I know when I was 18, I don't know if I could have been that mature to be able to make that decision, you know, opportunity no, to go to, go to OSU and play D1 women's hockey and, you know, <laughs> live live that lifestyle versus, you know, focusing on your academics. So 
again, hats off to her. She's she's very mature for her age and looking forward to watching her hopefully in this upcoming season. Absolutely. Then we had the opportunity to chat with the head and assistant coaches from the University of Akron. Matt Cook and Greg Revac sat down and educated us on the hockey team and life you. These two gentlemen are not only growing the game, they are in fact growing human beings. It was I've been thinking about that interview since we did it last week. And it was a phenomenal conversation. It's something that I, I think can't be stressed enough that hockey is the vehicle and it's not the end all. So if the great majority of us are, are never going to get, as, as Coach Cook said, paid to play the game of hockey, then what are you going to get paid to do? And these guys have such a plan together and such a program together that will help these gentlemen and ladies, for whoever takes advantage of it, to be able to graduate college and then succeed in the real world. Yeah. Um, I think it was uh, Coach Revac posted. I saw he shared, shared the episode and said, you know, tune in if you want to hear a very passionate conversation. And, you know, there was a lot of passion, I think, coming from the four of you guys in that conversation. I mean, hell, at the end, there was about three or four times you guys – we're getting ready to sign off and it went on 20, 20 more minutes of, you know, meaningful information. And again, it's, it's stuff that everybody needs to hear. Um, at some point in life, we have to start to become a realist and realize that our, our dreams of making the NHL may not be within our reach. So then what's your next dream? Where's the next spot you want to go? It's not changing yep. that that work ethic or that mentality that you had. It's just now, where else can you apply that? What other avenues? So, you know, it's it's great to see what they're doing there, and you know, continuing to see that program grow. And you know, it's awesome to see Coach Revac now helping out with university school, and again, you know, helping shape even a younger generation of players. You know, the one thing that we said last week that that I don't want to recant on because I don't. It's that. It's the chase the dream idea. And <laughs> it's okay to do that. That's what you're supposed to do. But there also needs to be a reality check somewhere in there. Somebody along that path either needs to make you aware of it, needs to bring it to your attention, needs to flat out say it, or you in fact have to have the revelation that maybe you're not going to achieve that dream. And like you said, what's plan B? You know, what's plan B? It's okay not to make it. It's okay to get cut from your team. It's okay not to be playing division one, to play pro, to play juniors. It's all okay. But I think that when we get so fixated on, I got to make it, I got to make it, I got to make it. And it's the only way to go. That's when the letdown is so great. So I, I thought that both Revac and, and, uh, and Cook, Coach Cookie were, were awesome in that regard and how they just, they just brought honesty. And, and I guess that was the moral of last week's uh, episode was that there's a lack of it. Why? So anyways, it was cool just to, just to sit here and listen. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Going off where you said, you know, I, I think it's even not so much having a plan B. Look at a kid like Tyler Harkins. He's got plan 1A, plan you know, 1B, plan 1C, yeah. plan 1D, they're all, to him, top-tier 
what he wants to do with his life. It's just a good point. where where my card's gonna you know put me. So it's not yeah. so much again to use that term. You're not giving up on your dream. It's just let's be realistic with your dream. Call a spade a spade. Know where you are realistically gonna end up, and then be like yeah. that. You know that mentality of Tyler Harkins that I'm going to be the best at whatever I do. That's true, man. That's 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 good right there. Well, hey, this week we have the docket full. Four, count them, four guests coming at you today. First, we'll sit down with the head coach of the Gilmore Prep Team and the Midwest in the Midwest Prep League. Mr. Mike Chilino will join us. Coach Chilino will talk to us about his rise in the game from high school and junior college to his college career before catching the coaching bug at the Buffalo Nickel School to now the head man at Gilmore. Then venturing down south to Columbus, we get the chance to talk to not one, not two, but three current and former members of the Olentangy Liberty Patriots. Head coach Kevin Alexander will join us, along with senior goaltender Andy Keeler and Patriot alum and current Ohio University Bobcat Sam Turner will be here. We'll get to discuss the behind-the-scenes action that is making the Liberty Patriots a force to be reckoned with in Ohio high school hockey. The bus is packed tight today, boys. Fired up for some good content. How has the week been for you, Daniel? Um, well, again, my basement's not currently flooded, so I say I'm doing pretty damn good. <laughs> um, sorry, Sully, but... Oh, uh, Big Cat. Come on, Big Cat. Thinking of you. <laughs> we, uh, we're getting ready here to make the move in just over a week, so I think uh, in our cupboards, we're down to two plates and two cups, Oh, and that's okay. all we're, we're using making it last and I will just be be happy when we're got all the boxes from one house into the next. Yeah, I'm sure that's a lot of stress at home and a lot of a lot of questions and answers and a lot of a lot of unknown. Mhm. Are you guys having a, 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 a people move you, company move you or are you guys doing it yourself? Uh yes. Um no free ads, <laughs> but two men in a truck will be uh coming. It's going to be about the best uh-huh. uh Six hundred to seven hundred dollars I spend because I don't have to oh. lift a single thing. It's absolutely just be here. They said about four to five hours we'll have everything moved from one house to the next. All we had to do was box it up and label what room we want things where, going to. So, going. have you spoken to management about the uh, online auction yet? I have not. Um, All right, we're gonna have to get him on he, today. Though. Every time he talks to me, he never brings it up. He just wants you know the metrics just wants to know the metrics <laughs> of course of course that's the business uh, what's going that's on with you love nothing man it's been uh, status quo it's been work and staying trying to stay cool in this heat uh, i work outside a lot so it, i've enjoyed the heat because i know there's going to be days in january and february that are going to be really cold so i don't complain about the heat we just keep moving on and over the weekend had the uh the in-laws in town from out and uh had a nice little cookout in the backyard, and we got a chance to just enjoy the sunny weather. There you go. That's about it. And again, as you said, I'm not knee deep in water in my house, so you know, probably, uh, probably using some language we'd have to get the the oh crap button out for. But you know, we're missing a big cat today. But you know, he's got what, um, things to take care of. And I, he's gonna give me shit for this, but what shade of red do you think he is right now? Ooh, almost purple. Okay. Almost purple. I, I will. I will guarantee. I will guarantee the minute that he opened the door. Like obviously, when the power goes out, 
And that usually means that your sump pump is not working. Um, I, I, I don't know what the situation is. I know he's had water in the basement before, but I am willing to bet you the power went out and it was something along the lines of, are you kidding me? With a couple other words in there. And then he probably realized, which knowing him, he's pretty smart with this. He realized the power was out. So he checked the basement and he probably saw water flowing in and probably flipped out. Which, understandable, 100% yeah. understandable. <laughs> and I know we, make, we tease him a lot. I won't say make fun of him. We tease him a lot for how he reacts to certain things. And I'm willing to bet you red is not the color. I, I'm willing to bet you it's pretty much purple. <laughs> not, like, not like suffocation purple, but I'm willing to bet you it's, it's the deepest shade of red you can get without <laughs> turning black. So... Oh, who knows man. a burgundy <laughs> yes definitely a burgundy burgundy <laughs> well continuing these warm summer days also waiting the weather uh with the water coming down outside we're about to welcome the nhl back into our homes this week uh, actually by the time this airs next week uh but let's blow out the news like candles on a birthday cake and dive into the digest see what's making news in the world of hockey there's no better way to get your company's message across to the hockey fans in and around the state of Ohio than advertising on Ohio Hockey Digest and the On Air Podcast. Contact Scott Harrington today at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. The Tier 2 North American Hockey League held their 2020 entry draft last Tuesday, and there were some players with Ohio connections selected, including the 5th and 6th overall picks. Bradley Merrick of the Youngstown Phantoms was selected with the number five overall pick by the Springfield Junior Blues. Merrick, 6'2 and 225 pounds, has played two and a half seasons of Tier 1 junior hockey in the USHL and is listed as a 2020-2021 Michigan State recruit. The Junior Blues are no doubt hoping he elects to play an extra year of junior with the uncertainties surrounding the college schedule this year. The Corpus Christi Ice Rays picked next and took Powell, Ohio native Spencer Cox sixth overall. Cox, a 2001-born defenseman, played at Culver Academy the last four seasons, but prior to that, played in the AAA Ohio Blue Jackets organization. Former Cleveland Barons goaltender Parker Ray was selected by the Kenai River Black Bears in Alaska in in the seventh round. The well-traveled Ray is a Michigan native that played for the Swan Valley Stampeders in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League and the Battlefords North Stars of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League a year ago. Three members of the Gilmore Academy prep team that plays in the Midwest Prep League were selected. Winger Dominic Shimizzi of Gilmore Academy prep was taken by the Johnstown Tomahawks in the second round, 49th overall. Forward Torin Haddon-Harris went to the Shreveport Mudbugs in the seventh round, and a third Lancer, center Rocco Testabazzi, was selected by the New Jersey Titans in round 14. We'll hear more about these players from Gilmore Prep head coach Mike Chilino later in the show. The NHL has moved on to phase four, with 24 teams reporting to two hub cities, Edmonton and Toronto, in the best-of-five playing round beginning this Saturday, August 1st, following expedition play this week. The Columbus Blue Jackets will go up against the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. So, 
first question, Lev, do you think there's any type of home ice advantage with Toronto playing in Toronto, even though there's no fans in the building? Or I'm going to say yes and no. I'm going to say yes because it's their building. Um, they know the bounces. They should know it very, very well. I'm going to say no because these are un- uncertain, un- unprecedented times. You know, I mean, we're never usually playing hockey that's this meaningful this late in the year. Also, if I recall correctly, Toronto has to check into the hub too. So it's not like they're getting the comfort of their own bedrooms. You know, I, I did see online where they decorated their floor. So the elevators have the Maple Leaf logos, things like that. But at the end of the day, man, you still got to put the puck in the net and who's the hungriest. And, and as I've read and, and, and continue to read over the course, it's, it's, it's a sprint. You, normally they say, mm-hmm. you know, the season is a marathon. You got to be hitting at the right time. Well, we're all starting from a dead stop. So let's see who's quickest to the gate. Each bubble has 14 restaurants for players and staff, as well as a concierge service for deliveries. The league has reported just two positive tests during the five weeks of training camp, which I'm going to say is uh, pretty damn good after today is what Monday we're recording. The MLB just came out that they had nine more Miami Marlins and two coaches test positive today. And they're all up in shambles in that league right now. You know, it's, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing when I was reading that this morning and, you know, hats off to the NHL. 100% 100% hats off to the NHL and hats off to the players, hats off to the staff and, and everybody involved. But, you know, in, in reading some of the, I guess, gripes of the bubble life, if you will, throughout the major sports uh, leagues, NHL players to a man have always responded the same way. As long as there's a bed, as long as I have some food, I'm here to win the Stanley Cup. Well, that's hey, that's why you're there. You're not, you know, if there's no other reason than to try to win the Holy Grail of all professional sports. So the fact that there's only two, I think is amazing, considering that that basically the, the world is seeing an, an uptick in, in cases. But, you know, continued success to the NHL, they're testing protocols to the players, to the fans. I mean, this is going to be exciting to have 100-degree heat, yet – we're inside watching NHL hockey that, that is meaningful, definitely meaningful. There were reports that impending unrestricted free agent Taylor Hall and his agent met with the Arizona Coyotes ownership over dinner last week. No big surprise there as the Coyotes, who acquired Hall at the trading deadline, are certainly interested in re-signing their star player to a long-term contract before he tests free agent waters. The two sides certainly had plenty to talk about, but it was noted that the meeting took place without Arizona general manager, John Chaka. Chaka clearly felt slighted as he packed up his office on Friday and resigned. Now, Chaka, 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 not going to work here anymore, is the youngest GM in the league. Did he show some immaturity here? And should he have stuck around until maybe the Coyotes were possibly eliminated from the playoffs at least? If... The reason he resigned is because he was not invited to that dinner. Then yes. Um, my question would be then how did he even get a GM job in the NHL to begin with? If there are some other underlying issues, which, you know, we don't know. Right. You know, you, you, I don't, you know, don't want to judge without hearing both sides of the story, but I, I think at the end of the day, if, if I was in that situation, my, 
my dad raised me better just to stick it out and finish the job that you were hired to do. And I mean, how, what, what's going to happen now if say the Coyotes go on a run and they win the Stanley cup. Yeah. He ain't getting, he ain't getting no ring. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I was, I was reading about this this week and I know there's two sides to every story, but he had pretty much asked ownership. I think they said maybe in January or February, I could be wrong on the, on the time frame, but he had asked to possibly pursue other avenues, not necessarily within hockey and ownership basically said, no, this is not the time to do that. So I'm hoping there was something else, but from all reports that are coming out again, it's all one-sided and I, I don't have a horse in the race. I really don't care, but you know, it looks like, yes, he, he took his ball and went home because they said, no, I hope that's not right. However, everything I'm reading is telling me opposite of that. The NHL's 32nd franchise in Seattle unveiled their team name and logo last week. They will be, and to no surprise, the Seattle Kraken. The art guy in the room. I will just come yeah. out and say, I think the, the jerseys, the logo, I think it's, I, I love it. Um, yeah. I love the S, that it goes back to the old Seattle team. I love that there is the uh, the tower and the anchor of the secondary logo. Just Ooh, yeah, I just little things like that um, that really catch my eye. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, haters out on the internet that hide behind the screen, but you know, I think for for where they're located, um, the maritime theme, they they hit the nail on the head with everything. What's crackalacking? Kraken. What's a kraken? It's a it's a mythical octopus, I believe. Oh, or like okay. a squid or All something. Right. However, the right. one the uh, one issue, and I hope their marketing team thought about this because I'm I've been seeing it everywhere. Their uh, fans are saying they're going to nickname the arena the Crack House. Oh yeah, I read that one too. That was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, I also saw where Gritty, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, came up with an option for a for a uh, visible mascot for them, and it was an orange octopus, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everybody's got everybody's got something to say, and uh, I agree with you, man. I think the, I think the jerseys look good. I think that the uniforms are going to look pretty sweet, and you know, the the NHL doesn't do anything on a whim, so obviously they checked into this and. It's going to be a cool time out there in Pacific Northwest up in Seattle. John Hefferman, executive director of the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, is one of three finalists for the NHL's Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. The award is presented annually to an individual who, through the game of hockey, has positively impacted his or her community, culture, or society. The winner will be announced sometime late in the NHL's 2020 postseason. Watson president of the CIHC, told us why he thinks Hefferman is a deserving candidate. And I think of everything we have accomplished as a Hockey for Everyone program, from exposing kids from diverse backgrounds to hockey and skating, to extending vocational and educational opportunities, to fostering job creation pathways within our beautiful city, there is, there is a one common denominator, one person who gives himself selflessly in the name of inclusivity, progress, 
and bringing innovative ways to teaching these populations about the game of hockey and all that can be achieved if you dedicate yourself to it. And that's John Hofferman. CIHC has been sharing testimonials from CIHC players past and present on their Twitter handle at CI Hockey Club. Check them out if you get a chance. Very moving words from individuals who have had their lives impacted in positive ways by John, CIHC, and the game of hockey. Scott Harrington of Ohio Hockey Digest spoke with Hafferman last week, and he says he fully expects to finish third in a three-horse race, but here's hoping he gets some well-deserved recognition for his efforts. He was going to join us as a guest on the podcast next week, but we ran into some scheduling challenges. We'll get him on as soon as we can so we can learn more about that program. Columbus Ice Hockey Club is one of 39 NHL Hockey is for Everyone programs and is affiliated with the Columbus Blue Jackets. CIHC serves over 3,000 youth per year in learn to play hockey, learn to skate, and hockey team programs, with more than 65% of participants being minority and more than 25% female. A pair of players from Ohio University have secured pro tryouts for the fall. The Reading Royals of the ECHL will take a look at OU's, and I apologize in advance if I butcher your name, young man, Gianni Evangelisti, while Tom Pokorny will be trying out for the Southern Professional Hockey League's Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Pokorny collected 52 points in 321 penalty minutes and 112 career ACHA games. Evangelisti, a former AAA Ohio Blue Jacket, put up 72 points, including 50 assists in 35 games for the Bobcats as a senior and was named a 2019-2020 ACHA Division I Player of the Year. A lot of different things came together for him to have that big season. You know, I was a senior last year, so fourth year in the league, a little bit older than some of the other guys, so I think um, just kind of being bigger, stronger, and faster than some of the competition, I think that was a big uh, aspect of it. And then also um, just kind of having chemistry with some of the guys on the team. Uh, you know, I played with Tyler Harkins for – a couple of years now, leading up to last year, um, Drew Maggie, another Cleveland guy, he was uh, my line mate for most of the season. And then um, Kyle Craddock, another guy that I've played with for three years uh, off and on. So I think just kind of having that familiarity with a lot of the guys and um, just kind of being comfortable at high university kind of led to, I guess, that up- uptick in production this year. Evangelist, he hopes he can be the latest example that the ACHA is a legit development path for players into the pro ranks. Ohio is a good fit for me. Um, you know, we practice every day. We lift every day. Um, so that just kind of allows me to get better as a hockey player. And I kind of knew that going in. So I think uh, if you go to the right ACHA program, there's definitely room for advancement. Um, and as you can see, like, I know there's a couple of Liberty guys that play in the ACHL now. Um, so definitely won't be the first guy. So I think there's definitely uh, that room for advancement, like I was saying. The Royals are the double-A affiliate of the Philadelphia Flyers. It's time to get on air with our first guest, the head coach of the Gilmore Academy Lancers prep team, Mr. Mike Chilino. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL has five teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest coverage area. The Columbus Mavericks, Toledo Cherokee, Worcester Oilers, Lake Erie Bighorns, and Fort Wayne Spacemen. Learn more at usphl.com. 
Our first guest got his start playing in New York. He went on to start Siena College of the ACHA, tallying 106 points in 141 games. He caught the coaching bug and stepped behind the bench at the Buffalo Nickel School. After a two-year stint at NCAA Division III Hamilton College as an assistant, he took over the Gilmore Academy prep team, where he is entering his eighth season at the helm. He's a regional scout for the USHL, a mid-am evaluator at select showcases. He's a member of the American Hockey Coaches Association, a 2017 Midwest Prep League Coach of the Year. Please welcome on air the Director of Hockey Operations and Head Coach of the Gilmore Academy Lancers Prep Team, a New Hartford Spartan alumni, Mike Chilino. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, very honored to be able to talk to you guys today. Oh, we, we greatly appreciate it, especially in this day and age. And we started this because we had nothing else to do and wanted to talk hockey. And we've been blessed to speak to some amazing people, including yourself. So we want to thank you definitely for taking time out of your day to be with us. Yeah, no, it's been great. I think it's kept hockey alive in the area for, for some people. And um, I think it's been awesome. So I, I've gotten really good uh, feedback from a lot of people that have listened. I've listened and they've been great. Well, thank you very much. We, we, let us know where to send that check of payment for saying such and such <laughs> But, Coach, we want to start at the beginning. Yeah. Where, did you pl- where did you play growing up, and what led you to college at Siena? Yeah, so I'm from a little town called uh, New Hartford, New York. The biggest city near it would be called Utica, New York, which is kind of a little bit more east of um, Syracuse, which would be okay. central. It's like dead smack in the middle of the state of New York. Um, okay. So I'm a, I'm a, I was a rare, um, a rarity in the sport of hockey where I started learn to skate and then played in the same organization all the way through high school. Um, and we were lucky that we were one of the only public schools in the state that had our own rink. So um, I was able to literally start at the age of three and go all the way until I graduated from high school in the same program, which was amazing. Um, so that was and that, special. And that's, a, of, and that's a rarity too in this day and age. Very, very much, very much. Kids jump around a lot, um, but I was lucky. I had great, awesome, I had really good youth hockey coaches. Um, I was the same age, actually, as my uh, as, um, my high school coach's son, so I was able to get a lot of coaching from our actually our high school um, coach, who was kind of the top of the organization a lot. So I was lucky in that regard. Um, and he actually recently retired. He's awesome, uh, Coach Cunningham. He was amazing. Um, so I was lucky that I was able to do that. And then um, I actually played two years of junior college hockey locally um, at Mohawk Valley and then kind of got recruited from there to go to Siena. Um, And then when I got done playing, it just kind of, I couldn't give the game up. So when I was doing my master's degree, I just got involved in coaching right away. Nice. Yeah. So coach, you um, ended up graduating with a bachelor's in sociology, a minor in criminal justice, and then you went on to receive a master's degree from Canisius in counselor education. Yep. All those to me seem like a perfect fit to coach hockey. So yeah, how did so, you end up getting that start? <laughs> what, what What's funny is, um, so when I did my master's degree, I was, I was doing some counseling while also, while also coaching at the same time um, at, at the Nick, at the Nichols school, which was great. Um, and then also I was able to do some extra hockey stuff on the side. Um, and I just fell in love with the hockey piece. And then when the opportunity came up to go coach um, college hockey. It was a great opportunity. Um, I was a little nervous about kind of stepping away from doing my, uh, you know, from doing my counseling work. So I still did a little bit of that on the side, 
And then when I came to Gilmore, I pretty much completely stepped away from it. But it's amazing. Um, I tell people all the time, I actually use my counseling degree way more now than I did when I was an actual counselor because I just, I got stuck <laughs> behind the computer and on the phone doing paperwork, you know, uh, mandated paperwork all the time. And now I actually, I, I mean, I discuss every issue you can imagine with kids in my office. So I actually use it a lot more. So it is very fitting. I think um, one thing it's done for me is I'm able to form a really good player coach relationship as a result of that um, educational right. background that I have. So it's basically you, you, you did what everyone, I guess, in a, in a office setting dreams of doing. They, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they, they dream of getting away from paperwork and yeah. getting to actual using of skills. For sure, for sure. Now I still got to do paper, a lot of paperwork on the hockey side, but sure. you know I'm pretty lucky in that I get to do what I love and I get to use my degree every day still, and um, you know get to get to use my some of my time on the ice and on the bench, which is great. That's great. What led you to seek the job at Gilmore? So, um, to be honest with you, it was kind of I came across the posting, and I had when I was at Hamilton College, I had been recruiting two different guys who played on Gilmore's prep team. We didn't end up getting either of them, but okay. through my conversations with those kids, um, recruiting them, uh, they, they seemed like great individuals. They, they were very good students. Um, I was kind of intrigued. I was like, oh, that's, you know, I'd heard of Gilmore. Um, I'd heard of their program, but I'd never been on campus. I'd never been, um, you know, at their arena or anything like that. So when I saw the posting, I immediately remembered those two kids and I, um, you know, I shot at my application materials and, kind of went through the process and it kind of just kind of worked itself out. Um, and it, it, what was funny was I, um, I had a friend who actually knew a lot more about Gilmore and I was able to ask him. And um, what, what, what's amazing is what, when I came out for the interview, um, I had a wedding the week after the interview <laughs> and I was wearing, um, I had like a hockey jacket on when I walked in under my shirt and tie and there was a two Cleveland guys that came right up to me and started drilling me and they found out that they were from Cleveland and they knew a little bit about Gilmore. So it was kind of funny that that kind of happened. And then, you know, they obviously spoke great things about the school. And then I ended up accepting the job about a week later after that. That's cool. It's funny how no matter where you go in basically, let's call it North America, hockey makes the world seem so much smaller. Yeah. And, and no, to that, to that, I have to ask, is the arena at Nichols still an amazing old barn? It is. They've, they've, I was actually just there this past winter. They've redone some work. Um, they got new boards and glass and redid some painting and done, you know, they've, they've done some upgrades, but for the, the actual structure is still the same, like the stands, the roof, the walls, they all look exactly the same. It's still got the little mini studio rink. It's, it's amazing. Uh -huh. so, so, so the, the, the fans can like, you're on the bench, basically head level to someone's feet. So that when they did the new glass, yeah, like so they're they're not on your like right in your face anymore because the glass <laughs> goes all the way up now. But yes, okay. you you're oh. right. Their feet are right at your head. They could still technically, um, you know, kick the glass and be right by your face if you, <laughs> they wanted to. So many years many years ago, we had the chance to uh, to coach there, and God, it was uh, it's an amazing arena. Yeah, because cool. it just it, the tradition of it and tradition of the school is is fantastic. But the one thing I noticed was, one, you're so close to the action that two guys happened to, uh, we'll just call it collide, right at our bench. And my hand was on kind of a support piece. And the one stick got loose. 
and I am so lucky I didn't break my hand in half yeah. with how hard those sticks came. But yet the parents are right behind you and their feet are oh, darn yeah. kicking you in the head. It's oh, just yeah. an amazing building. Amazing building. For sure. All right, Coach. Um, coming back to Gilmore a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm just going to preface this uh, question with this comes from the higher ups. So yeah. if it stirs the pot on the podcast a little bit, um, take all your questions up with Scott Harrington. But uh, – <laughs> So Gil- Gilmore Prep, would you consider, and I know you're a little bit biased, but consider Gilmore Prep yeah. the only true prep team in the traditional sense in the state of Ohio? Yeah, I would say so because um, you know we don't have we don't have any of the restrictions that the state of Ohio OSHA um, group puts on the whole you know the game limit when we can start, how much contact we can have with the kids, you know who we can play, where we can travel to. Um, so I think that in itself makes it prep. Obviously, you know, we are a prep school, just like there's many other great prep schools in the area. Um, but I think the, the hockey and the, the placement we've done um, with our players over the years and the development model we have in place, I think, um, you know, obviously bias sets us apart. But there's a lot of great programs in the area that are doing a really good job, um, that are doing a phenomenal, um, putting a phenomenal program together. But um, yeah, I would say... I would say arguably we're the only one in the state. Us, our, our boys and our girls. Right. Well, Scott comes with loaded I questions. I guess so. Scott is, <laughs> that's a loaded question and well played, Coach. Well played. That's what I will say to that. I, I was just going to piggyback off that. Um, I mean, Coach, I mean, yeah. if you don't mind, can you can you get in, I guess, to some of the differences between the Midwest Prep Hockey League and, you know, our typical OHSAA rules and regulations? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the league, um, the league's got some teams from Canada as far as New Brunswick um, and, um, you know, teams from Montreal and Ontario. And then we've got kind of the Midwest presence, if you will, where we've got, um, you know, Lake Forest from Chicago, Shadyside from Pittsburgh, St. Francis from Buffalo, and then us. Um, the league has, the league has been kind of in flux over the many years and in, in regards to membership, like we've had, we were up to 10 teams. We are back down to eight right now. Um, we, we've had a Canadian presence for quite a while, but the league originally started out with just being a Midwest-based league with teams kind of from, you know, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, um, Chicago, and, and St. Francis. So St. Francis, Shadyside, and Gilmore were kind of the founding members of the league, and they're all still obviously in the league. And we've added and lost teams throughout the years. Um, but the league, the league is highly competitive. I mean, we have, we have – there was guys in the league last year that were on the NHL Central scouting list. You know, obviously we've had guys in that league. Division one commitments, division three commitments, um, you know, guys who will go on and play at the highest level of junior hockey, whether that's major junior in the WHL, the QMJHL or the OHL, or of course the USHL and then other top tiered leagues in the US and Canada, like the BCHL and North American Hockey League and things. So it's great players, but what it also is, is the backgrounds of all the coaches in the league is absolutely astonishing. I mean, we've got, you know, Mike McCord who coached in the OHL and, you know, Jonathan Johnson, who was at Mercyhurst and, um, you know, just great guys. You know, the, the guys up in uh, Bishops from Montreal were involved in the, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, so in the big scheme of things, I'm kind of like the, the small man, but I'd like to think we're doing a good job here. Um, oh, but definitely. it's good. It's really good coaches. It's a close knit group of guys. Um, it, it's kind of a coaches league. We have a commissioner, the, um, but we kind of all run the league by committee, which is fun. Um, and we kind of all do make decisions what's best for the members and for the, you know, for the league as a whole, which has been great. 
So how many games do you play per season? And, so, uh, well, what, and, and also, I'm sorry, but to, to back that up, what kind of competition do you build out your schedule with outside of the Midwest Prep League? Yeah, so we'll play some, if you will, independent prep games. Um, so, you know, we'll have schools, like next year for this upcoming year, you know, we'll have Nichols, we'll have um, Mount St. Charles, we'll have Northwood, um, Culver, so other prep schools. And then we'll, on top of it, we'll supplement our schedule with AAA programs, um, primarily at the 18 and under AAA level. Um, and the reason why we do that is because it just allows us to get significantly tougher competition, um, to get our game count up, and then it gives us something to play for outside of the MPHL championship, which is in February. It allows us to play for our district, a district championship um, through USA Hockey, which is our districts, Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, uh, Kentucky, Indiana, and West Virginia to try mm-hmm. to get a bid to the USA Hockey Nationals. So it's been good to allow us to essentially make it a tougher schedule, a little bit more exposure, and um, you know, kind of make it emulate more of what college hockey or junior hockey is. All right. So c- can you also tell us about the kinds of schools you face in the Midwest Prep? Yeah. So they're all very similar to Gilmore. They, you know, they have a, um, an, an admission standard. Um, you know, every kid has to apply to the school through a set of application materials. Usually it includes letters of recommendations, you know, test, uh, test scores, um, grades, um, things like that. And then everybody has, um, um, every member within the league has, um, you know, has to prove that they can, um, financially be stable within our league and then also, um, you know, have the commitment to allow the travel, allow the, the, the game schedule because it's about a 20, roughly a 20 game schedule for the MPHL. Um, and then, you know, we obviously try to make sure we have the most competitive teams we can. Um, you know, some years, obviously teams are up and teams are down, but for the most part, it's the, last year, the league, you know, going into mid-year, everyone was separated only by a couple points, so it was really competitive. And then it opened up a little bit towards the end of the year. But, you know, for the playoffs, um, you know, the the sixth-place team and seventh-place team had one-goal games with the, you know, with the the top two and three-ranked teams, which was pretty amazing. That's got to be exciting. I know you, you guys had a, a tournament over at Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, was it uh, maybe December? Yep, it was early December. And we're actually hosting again. Next year, one of the league weekends, it's going to be um, in late January next year, which for, is pretty great. For anybody out there listening, if you get a chance to go see this tournament and you want to see a fast brand of hockey, it was I, – I enjoyed every second that I was there. I think I saw a team from New Brunswick. I yeah. saw you guys for a bit. Um, I can't remember. The, I think the, the third team that I saw was Lake Forest. Yeah. Yep. Is that it? Lake yeah, Forest? they're out of Chicago, yep. Oh, man, was that fast. I mean, you want to talk about hit and go – and very few scrums and how do you do's in front of the net. And it was just good, hard hockey. Yeah. No, I mean, we, there was amazing players in the league last year. Every team, I would say, every team had one, if you will, quote unquote, all-star, you know, big time D1 prospect. And then mm-hmm. there was a couple NHL prospects in the league last year too. I mean, Bishops, you know, has the guy in the NHL central scouting list who's committed to RPI. I mean, he's off the charts and, you know, there was just some really highly talented guys playing throughout the league. So it's fun to watch. Um, it's fun to coach. Um, you know, it's fun for officials to, you know, you know, officiate those high level guys. And then it's also, um, you know, it's, it's great exposure and good competition for the players. Nice. Uh, so coach, you mentioned having not only, you know, your district championship, but also your league championship. So the MPHL yep. tournament, 
was played this year um, at the Arbor Center in Buffalo yep. in mid-February prior to the COVID shutdown and everything. Um, yeah. Walk us through that tournament from the moment you guys showed up to, you know, the end of that tournament. Yeah, so we, we drew Rice in the first round, and Rice was a hot team. Um, Rice was probably having one of the better years, at least since I've been here, that they were having. Um, they had three really, really high-end hockey guy, hockey players on their roster, um, and we had a back-and-forth battle with them all the way till the third period. Um, it was back-and-forth, a really, really fast, physical, but clean, physical but clean game, mm-hmm. um, and we were lucky that we were able to score a few goals late, and then we were able to throw an empty netter in there and take the the first round game there and then uh the semi-final game against bishops was one of the tightest games i've coached in a while it was just back and forth really tight and bishops took a nice little two-goal lead um on us and we were lucky enough to tie it within the last few minutes of the third period um you know we, we scored a great goal off of the half you know guy made a great play off the half wall and hit a guy in the back door to tie it with you know i think it was less than a minute left in um, there was an odd man rush and um, puck went off of our defenseman's foot and slipped by the goalie and they, they won the semifinal game there in OT. And then Ridley ended up beating Bishops in the champion uh, championship game. And Ridley's good. I mean, they've, they've won something like five out of the last six years of our league. Um, you know, usually have a lot of OHL draft picks and high end guys, you know, NCAA prospects too. So um, it, it was definitely a, a tough ending for the year for the league, but it was, um, it was it was a good it was a good showing by the guys, so we were happy and proud of them. And then, what, uh, oh sorry, go ahead. No, so then then yeah, and then we from there we we went back and regrouped to get ready for our district tournament, and you know had made a good run at that as well. So were you able to get the whole season completed before the shutdown, or literally two days? Yeah, two days before we finished up. So we literally just got our season done. Uh, the teams who qualified for nationals, obviously for the USA Hockey Nationals, got shut off, but we yeah. literally. I think our school shut down maybe two days after we finished our district tournament. Well, you know what, in one, in one respect, I guess that that's good for the guys that were graduating and or moving yeah. to get, to get a closure to the season when so many guys didn't have that opportunity. For sure. No, I think we were all grateful for that. Um, obviously, you know, we lost in the district finals um, with an empty net goal and um, you know, we had a controversial goal called back in the third, which maybe would have tied it, but it was a tough way for the season end, especially for our guys that were leaving the program. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a great year. And you're right, they were able to get finished their year out and not have it closed off. So I think we were grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you talk about the, the, the high compete level in a league and the quality of players throughout your league. What generally separates a prep player from, say, a varsity A player at Gilmore? Yeah, so it, it, it's, a, it's a few things. The biggest one that I can come up with is the compete level. Um, you know, our guys, for the most part, usually show up every single day for the grind. Um, you know, we put a lot of demands on them. It's on top of school. If schools comes first, and that's a big demand for them in itself. But, you know, we've got sometimes two-a-days with skill sessions in the mornings and practices afterwards. You know, then we're in the gym, and then we've got video um, team video. And then we've got, um, pre-scouts and scouting report meetings. Um, you know, we've got, um, you know, we bring in usually a, a sports psychologist or motivational speaker at least once a year, you know, nutritional meetings. Um, you know, the guys who live in the residence hall have mandatory study hall in the evenings. Um, you know, then on, all of that's on top of our travel schedule. 
and game schedule and with tournaments and showcases. So we keep them, we keep them really busy and active. So I would say the compete and the grind. And then from a hockey specific standpoint, you know, I'm finding, you know, our guys have a little bit higher level of hockey IQ. Um, but not always. I mean, there's, there's guys playing Ohio high school hockey with great, um, you know, with great hockey IQ, but I'm finding the really ones that are successful at the prep level have, uh, have that. And then also um, there's a physical maturity to the game. It's, it's a fast, hard, fast, tough game. Um, so we're finding that's a, a big piece to it. So, you know, typically we're trying to make sure the guys that we have are, you know, hockey players, not guys who just play hockey, nothing wrong with either or, but there is a little bit of a difference there. Oh, completely. There's, uh, it, you see it across, across the board, a, as sure. you know, going, doing this for as long as you've done it and, and obviously playing for as long as you've done it. It's just, it's that intangible. It's like you, you said right off the, off the bat with it, with the question of can handle the grind of all of it. You know, the off ice, the on ice, the in class, the out of class. That's a, I don't want to say that's a special individual, but it is. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to label somebody as a special individual because ultimately they're doing what they're passionate about and they're willing to sacrifice what they have to sacrifice to make it to that level. Yeah. I think like, so what's amazing is, you know, we are, we've got guys who move, pick up and leave their families and, you know, leave their best friends and, you know, completely go, go into a transitional stage of their life to pursue their goals. I mean, we had kids from Alaska and, you know, different parts of Canada and kids from, we've had kids from Europe in the past, you know, California. So it's a big change for those guys. Um, It's also a big change for their parents to let them go away at at an earlier age than planned. So they definitely, um, it's a big decision. So with that decision comes a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more responsibility, responsibility to take care of what your kind of task at hand is. Now, are these, are these guys that come from the great distances, and and even the ones that are, that are from here in Cleveland, are these guys that you, I don't want to use the buzzword, but actively seek out, or yeah, I do mean, a lot it, of your players because of your 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 uh, play in the Midwest Prep League, do, do they already know? Hey, that's where I want to be, or is there any sort of in between stance? I guess for sure. Yeah, I would say some of the kids are kind of you know reaching out to us, inquiring on their own because they they're looking for this type of a model or setting already. Um, and then others are, you know, we, we have a good reputation kind of in the hockey world right now. So people are kind of reaching out, like there's advisors and all these, you know, different people are reaching out and say, Hey, I got this kid. You should take a look at our alumni recommend kids all the time living on wherever the areas they're in. They'll say, Hey, you know, Mike, this guy's really, really good. My son's playing with him or, you know, my son's starting out hockey and I see this kid at the rank and he's amazing. Um, so it's just kind of a combination of everything. You know, we do, um, you know, I do get out there um, and get to see a lot of hockey players, just not only from the background and experience I have from doing scouting and different things like that. And, you know, I've scouted in the USHL and all that stuff. So I, I have a pretty good grasp on these birth years every year. So I have somewhat of an idea who the top players are. And, um, you know, if I don't, I wouldn't be doing my job in some ways too. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a combination of all that. Um, so then coach to add to that, I guess how many how many players do you see worked their way up from your guys's U sixteen team or your varsity A roster onto the prep roster? Yeah, so it's been it's been limited to be honest with you over the years, um, and I think part of it is um, it's a big jump. It's a really big jump from 
high school hockey. I think um, some kids don't realize how big of a jump it actually is. I think with us restructuring everything, with adding the full season 16U, I think we're going to find ourselves taking probably about half of that team each year. And that's kind of our goal. Um, so, you know, we're going to have kids coming in at a younger age that are really talented hockey players and then be able to kind of work their way up. We'll still, you know, probably entertain taking kids off of our varsity A team as well. Those kids are just probably going to be older because they're not going to have 16 U age eligibility. Um, so it's going to be a combination of both. Like the model, like the, this model is new to us, um, but it's not a new model. I mean, programs like Shattuck and Culver and, um, you know, Nichols and, you know, Mount St. Charles, like South Kent, these guys have been doing this already all along. So it's not a new model. It's just new to somewhat new to us. I mean, we traditionally have always had the high school model because high school hockey is a big deal for kids in Ohio. So now we just provide two different tracks, I think, which is great. We can kind of accommodate everybody between our JV and varsity teams and then our AAA and prep teams, which is great. Awesome. Um, I mean, and obviously you guys are having success with having three players just selected in the 2020 NAHL draft last week. Can you give us a scouting report on those players that were selected? For sure. Um, They're great players. Dominic is um, honestly, um, he's probably got an NHL skating ability and NHL shot. I mean, he releases the puck um, like no other um, he, he got a lot better over the course of the two years here with, um, his decision-making. I think that was something that he needed to work on. Um, and he also got a lot bigger and stronger. He was kind of like, um, he was kind of probably always the run to the litter growing up. He was a smaller kid, but could always skate, could always shoot the puck. And then as he got some size and a little bit more mass to him, he was able to just kind of play a little bit more tougher, harder game. So I, Dominic's going to be, he's going to do a really, really good job over there at Johnstown. He's excited. And then uh, Torin had Harris, who was also drafted by Shreveport. Torin has off the charts hands. He's one of the best. He's one of the kids with the best hands I've ever coached. Um, he finds him, he finds himself to get out of any sticky situation um, in any, at any time on the ice, anywhere on the ice. Um, and he's also got a high compete level. Torin wants to win. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. We were in the district tournament and the, in the, first game of the our second game of the district tournament weekend Torin got um severely bruised ribs really bad to the point where we were we were convinced they were broken um and so he didn't play in the kind of the semifinal game and then he decided he wanted to give the senior the the, the last game there the finals a go and he did and he didn't miss a beat I mean he played through it so he's a tough kid and he uh he competes and he wants to win um the third one Rocco Rocco has got the ability to figure out a way to put pucks in the net like nobody. So that brings a lot of value to him. Um, so he just figures out a way to score goals. Um, really, really good center, too. He wins a lot of face-offs, wins a lot of draws. Um, another guy that just competes really, really hard. Rocco was also um, a fifth-round draft pick to Barry in the OHL. Um, so Rocco's kind of got many different options on what he's going to try to figure out. I think that probably – threw a wrench into why he went later in the NA draft because he's not sure what he's going to do. Um, but he's got options, which are a good thing to have. In, in regard to Rocco's choices, in your opinion, obviously yep. if you want to go the, if you want to go the college NCAA route, you're, you're yep. best to go in the North American league or the USHL, obviously yep. with the OHL limitations in your opinion, what I, I don't, I'm, I'm struggling to ask this question because I'm not really sure how to ask it, but what do you think 
of those two options. Obviously, the end results we we understand, but sure. is there is there is there pros? I mean, there's pros and cons to each. Is there sure. more pro to one versus the other? So I think there used to be. Um, there used to be getting rid of your NCAA eligibility was a really big deal because the OHL and different major junior leagues didn't offer education packages. Now that most of them are. So if you give up your amateurism and sign in, you know, the CHL, the Q, the O or the dub, um, if you're highly touted, usually you're going to end up getting college paid for, for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll dedicate themselves to pay for your education. So you really, you're not giving up your education. You're just delaying it maybe a little bit. Um, you know, whereas I think in the past they wouldn't offer the education package. You run the risk of blowing out your knee in the first year, and that's it. You blew your amateurism. You can no longer play in the OHL, and now you have no education and either got to go to school and pay for it or go get a job. Now I think they've cleaned it up a lot. Um, but what you lose still is the the NCAA has now completely become a, a desired developmental track and that they're putting a lot of kids in the NHL because they're developing at a longer rate of four years and you're getting the education, and you're getting the, the that experience, you know, of, you know, can you imagine playing for a Big Ten game in front of a crowd like that every night? I mean, those kids have a blast. So I think you're, there's definitely, like you said, pros and cons. Um, you know, for a guy like Rocco, you know, he's got phenomenal grades. I mean, he's he's got over a 4.0, so he's got, he's got the best of both worlds at his fingertips between grades, ability, um, you know, and then interest from both kind of sides, the NCAA track and then the non-am, the non-amateur track with the, you know, with the major junior teams. So I guess is, is the, and, and this is basically for my clarification. I, I remember, oh God, two, three years ago, a friend of mine, his, his nephew played for Sarnia. Long story short, ends up getting traded to uh, Ottawa, but I believe in, in, in his setup was you could either get four years of university or you, uh, uh, they would pay four years of university, or if you signed a pro contract, yeah. it basically negated it, that. Is it still kind of? Similar? I think it depends on each contract and you know where okay. you're at. How I mean, honestly, a lot of it depends on how good you are. I mean, if you're that good and they want to let you sign a pro contract and pay for education, you're probably pretty good. I just think it depends on what each scenario looks like for each person. Listen, there's people, there's a lot of guys who play major junior who don't get any education package still. I just think it depends on who you are and how good you are and all that. So um, that's why families got to make sure they're doing their homework and making sure it's, they make a logical, well thought out decision before they decide one way or the other. Well, coach, uh, first off, just like to thank you for taking the time um, to join us today. We got one more question for you before we wrap it up. And it's just one, you know, we like to end with all our guests, but what's, what's on the horizon for Gilmore hockey? the youth organization, as well as, you know, the high school teams and the prep team, what's on the horizon. Yeah. Coming up? So yeah, hopefully, you know, we have a season here with the pandemic. I think, you know, trying to be as optimistic as we can, if we do, then I think we're, we're looking at, we've got, we've got great kids in the program from the all the way down to our learn escape program, all the way up through, you know, the returning prep kids we have and the new prep kids we have coming in. You know, I think our, um, for the 16 U for the first year, kind of out the gate with this, we're really happy with where the, um, the talent level is. I think the pandemic hurt it a little bit, but not a ton. I think um, it definitely could have been a little bit stronger, but it's still going to be solid in our opinion. Um, I th- we think our high school team's going to be very competitive. Um, still, I think the, we're happy with the guys that we have returning there. So we're, we're happy with that group. And then also our JV teams and, 
Um, we're, we're happy where those guys are going to be able to develop and hopefully continue to move up the ladder throughout the course of the program. And then the youth program has been great. I mean, last year we had some of the best numbers we've ever had. Um, this year we'll kind of see how it plays out because we did tryouts early in the spring, right before the pandemic. And then we just recently actually did kind of another supplemental tryout to try to figure out where things were. So we're still working through that, but you know, our learn to skate numbers, uh, Kelly Lynch is doing a great job with that. She's growing the learn to skate numbers and more kids we have skating, the better opportunity we have to develop really good hockey players and in her case, good figure skaters too. Absolutely. Well, coach, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, it's, it's been our, our privilege and honor to listen to you. Give us an insight on how the Midwest Prep League works, how the Gilmore Academy Prep Team works, how the whole Gilmore organization works, and, and we couldn't be more thankful for you giving us uh, some of your time today. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been great, and you guys are doing a really good job. We, I think a lot of people in the hockey community appreciate what you're doing. Well, we greatly appreciate that, and we greatly appreciate you, and, and we really hope that we, we have a season this year yeah. so that we can come out and, uh, and see the boys play. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. The bus is in gear, and we're pulling into Powell, Ohio, home of the Olentangy Liberty Patriots. Time to sit down with head coach Kevin Alexander, goaltender Andy Keeler, and alum Sam Turner. Our next guests are no strangers to success in Ohio high school hockey. Head coach Kevin Alexander got his start in White Lake, Michigan. After spending a year in the North American Hockey League for the Hennessy Engineers, he went on to have a stellar four years at the University of Illinois Chicago in the CCHA. He spent three years as a pro with the Greensboro Monarchs and the Columbus Chill. He never had under 50 points a season as a pro. After coming on board with the Liberty Patriots in 2013-2014, then taking the helm in 2018, he has guided the Patriots to the district finals in the last four years consecutive. A Frozen Four finalist in 2017, please welcome on air head coach of the Olentangy Liberty Patriots, Mr. Kevin Alexander. Coach, thanks for coming. Hey, Jason, great intro. Got to turn back the page been a long time since I heard all that stuff, so that's good. That's good. I, do Makes have a, I, I saw a picture of you wearing an old Jofa, so I'll get to that question later on in the, in the interview. All right. <laughs> Joining Coach Alexander today, senior leadership is crucial when making a long run in the playoffs. No better position to have that leadership than the man between the pipes. As a junior, this guest put up an impressive 11-0 record with a .864 save percentage, all while helping tandem the Patriots in net to a 25-6-5-1 record. Please welcome on air senior goaltender from the Liberty Patriots, Andy Keeler. Andy, thanks, thanks for, for coming me, on. Jason. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. And last, but definitely not least, Patriot alum and current Bobcat from Ohio University. During his time with the Patriots, he played in 38 games his senior year. He racked up 24 goals and 41 assists for 65 points. He went on to play junior hockey with the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs in the USPHL before heading to Athens. In his rookie campaign with the Bobcats, he tallied 17 points in 35 games played. He was named the Central States Collegiate Hockey League All-Rookie Team, as well as the Ohio University Blue Line Boosters Rookie of the Year. Please welcome on air head caddy at Brookside Country Club and 2018 Liberty Patriot alumni Sam Turner. Sam. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. You clearly uh, did your research for these intros. <laughs> well, I could tell you right now, we're not going to half-ass anything. So if we're going to have three <laughs> on, we got to make it good and make it entertaining. But we do want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, take your time out of your day. 
Um, we want to start talking about the 2019-2020 season. The Patriots were top 10 in the, in the state all year. What were some of the highlights of the regular season for you guys? Coach, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, we had a lot of highlights. Uh, we ended up, our friends at Upper Arlington turned into our arch nemesis. Uh, we won a couple of tournaments, lost in some final tournaments. Uh, we were just couldn't get over the hump, but it was another big season for us. Uh, loaded with talent. Felt like we underachieved just a little bit. Um, but we had a lot of fun, won a Toledo tournament, which we've never done before down in that cold Turkey, uh, won a lot of big games. And, uh, like I said, we thought we were the most talented team, uh, in central Ohio. So we felt a little bit underachieved, but we had a lot of fun, a lot of good seniors, a lot of big wins. Um, didn't get to the district finals, didn't win that Padua tournament, which we got in that final as well. So. Uh, felt like a little season of being that close, but uh, as good a group of guys and as much fun as I've had since I've been helping out Liberty, that's for sure. So you, you had a tough overtime loss to St. Charles in the semis of the uh, Blue Jacket Cup, but rebounded to go all the way to the Columbus District Final, where your season unfortunately came to an end at the hands of that red-hot New Albany team. Sometimes teams go on deep runs that come up short before going all the way. Who were some of the players that gained experience and will be back in key roles this upcoming season? Well, we have our, you know, our top scorer, Gage Slatterback, coming back. Uh, so that's big. Flanagan, Brown. Um, we got a young freshman uh, on top of all of our uh, JV players that we got towards the end of the season, Carson Reynolds, who's a big one. And... Uh, of course, right in the pipes, we got Mr. Keeler, uh, who's going to be one of our leaders, Isaac Moe, uh, just a great group of seniors. I think uh, we don't maybe have the frontline superstars, but I think we've got a great team atmosphere uh, of kids that we're really excited about. Probably a lot like I would compare it to that team that Sam was on that we got to the district finals. Um with about four years ago. So what I like is a team, team, team type deal that we have this year. Um, we feel like we're, uh, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading and, um, you know, getting kids ready to move on to college. And obviously we're building a team that's uh, trying to compete with those folks up in Cleveland and Toledo. On top of the fact that uh, we're always gonna have our hands full with St. Charles, Jerome, New Albany. Uh, and of course, Upper Arlington expects to come back real strong. Coach, I mean, you just touched on it, you know, pretty much took the words out of my mouth, that Capital Hockey Conference. It seems like, you know, within the past five to seven years, the the growth and talent and um, strength of play has really grown, you know, with your Liberties, your Upper Arlington, St. Charles, now New Albany, you know, starting to make a little push at it. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, the depth from top to bottom, but also the, you know, strength and the parity at the top of that red division? Oh yeah, I think it's uh, it's really solid. I expect all those teams to be back strong. Um, there's even some teams in that white division. One of the neat things that I think has also helped us is uh, all of our teams are trying to travel more and play in those Cleveland tournaments. Uh, we go away three times a year. I think St. Charles is moving more as much as they can to play the Cleveland and Toledo teams. Uh, our league made a good decision, I think also for overall in Central Ohio uh, we used to play up and down the entire all three divisions, the red, white, and the blue. 
Uh, so they deleted some games and Sam probably remembers this more than Andy, but uh, they we got rid of a lot of our uh, nine to one games, 10 to one games where we'd beat up on some of the weaker divisions. So it's been good for those divisions uh, and it's been good for our top teams, but uh, I think we're giving some credit to being able to play some of these Cleveland teams. That's really helped us uh, get better and better. Um, I also would love to give some credit and uh, Andy and Sam would talk highly of these guys too, but uh, we're blessed to have Dave Caruso, an old Ohio State goalie, RJ Umberger, uh, Lee Harris, the Blue Jackets skating coach. Um, Sam's coming back in the summer now helping out our kids uh, with a program. Donskoff, the list goes on and on. Eddie Arsty, one of our uh, goalies who not only played AAA, played Liberty Hockey uh, as a full-time trainer for our goaltender. So I just think from top to bottom with the Blue Jackets, it's really helped the program in general uh, just to have uh, all this great hockey building here. Uh, and our kids are getting a lot of really good ice time and a lot of really good instruction because high school hockey, we're only going to get them so much. Uh, we're probably forbidden to be around them in our no contact period as much as we're forbidden to be with them. So uh, we've been blessed to have all, and I, I don't know if I miss Wishlaw for any of the other great coaches, but uh, they've really, a lot of the guys have stayed around in Columbus. And it's funny, we made, I made a joke the other day to, uh, I think Derek Dorsett that we were working on a deal because he's living back in Columbus too. All the Blue Jackets guys, after they grow up and have kids, they all want to live in Columbus. Unfortunately, when they're younger, uh, like maybe Panera and the bread man, they don't necessarily want to live in Columbus. So we got to fix that part. <laughs> but uh, the Blue Jackets guys are all coming back and we got a lot of great Blue Jackets coaching uh, the travel programs, the the Capitals and a lot of stuff like that. How, how important to you guys is it to have the old Buckeyes stay in Columbus, to have the Blue Jackets stay in Columbus? Have, have you guys as players been able to, I guess, reap the benefits from youth on up of these guys being in your area? And coach, how have you seen the, 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 the guys staying, I guess, let's say guys staying at home, have really helped spur the growth of Columbus hockey, which is just flat out off the charts. And as being from Cleveland, we dread coming down playing you guys. <laughs> well, I think it's just starting to get there the last few years. I also forgot we get uh, Slazak, who's another old chill goalie, uh, who's working with a lot of the goaltenders top and bottom uh, in Columbus, who also works, you know, the Red Wings goalie coach. Um, so it's huge. It's huge. And I think, um, especially for high school, I think a lot of these guys have always been there to benefit AAA. Um, and I can't say enough about the Columbus Blue Jackets either. Mr. McConnell, uh, before he passed, actually sent out, uh, up a wonderful foundation. And as long as that foundation keeps uh, thriving, he is a big proponent and so is his son. So the McConnell Foundation uh, has been a big supporter of high school hockey and has helped our growth. So, uh, you know, I can let Andy and Sam speak later, but I think it's just probably been the last three or four summers that we've seen them really start to help high school hockey. Lee Harris, the Blue Jackets skating coach, has been involved. So the Blue Jackets, one of the neatest things they do here is they're all about all levels. They want all levels of hockey to get better. Their AAA program, high school hockey, and – um, and we want to be able to be a, an area that uh, we can have kids like Sam move on and play if they want to at a higher level. Jimmy Bersinger, 
uh, is another one of our great captains who's having a blast playing, going to college at U University of Cincinnati and also playing uh, hockey at University of Cincinnati as well. So uh, seeing these colleges get better in Ohio. So from top to bottom, I just think it's probably only been the last three or four years. So I don't think we've seen all the benefits, hopefully, uh, that we're going to see going forward. Guys, what 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 have you seen as far as maybe your your late or early late teens? Any of the benefits from the the old college guys staying around or the old pros staying around? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the biggest benefit was um, Dave Crusoe brought the Columbus Chill pre post team to um, to Columbus High School guys because before we we had some options but they weren't very competitive. Um, <clears throat> we wouldn't play two great of teams. Uh, but when Dave Crusoe came in and opened up the chill, he set up a bunch of tournaments for us in Boston. Um, we'd play triple A teams in Michigan. We'd do a lot of things that we weren't getting experience to earlier. So um, can't say enough about how much Dave has helped grow high school hockey. And then the other thing, just generally having these guys stick around these OSU players, these jackets players, when we go to stick and pucks or some sort of drop-in skate or even like men's league, adult league. When these guys are playing in them, it really elevates the level of play. And you can see, you learn different things that you don't learn just from like going out on a skate with these guys and having them coach you. Like you get to see them play. And that's been one of the coolest things for me, especially as I've gotten older and I moved away from these youth programs, just skating playing hockey with these guys playing just pick up hockey games that you really get to learn like wow these guys were very good players back in their day and I have a lot to learn from them so I think that's one of the coolest parts for me Andy how about you yeah. uh for me uh with uh Dave Caruso and Wishloff with their offseason stuff like their training camps uh that's been pretty great uh being able to stay on the ice in the offseason and then uh like Sam said with the alumni staying around there's drop-in skates and stuff and just high tier shooters you can learn through them other than like high school guys. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Not much to say. <laughs> it's all good. Sam, question for you. How did your high school career playing in the CHC at Liberty prepare you for that transition step into junior hockey and eventually playing at a top-notch ACHA program at Ohio University? Yeah, so a lot of people ask me that question because um, a lot of guys want to play from high school to juniors and on to college. Um, the biggest thing I can tell them is going from high school hockey to junior hockey is kind of like going from uh, like youth hockey to being a freshman on the varsity team when I was super small. It's just, it's a big adjustment. And I think playing four years of high school hockey is really beneficial because you can go from freshman year, you're small, you're, you haven't started working out much yet. And then by the time you're a senior, you're now like the top dog, you're the best player, whatever. So that just transition through the four years, uh, you kind of get to, you get, you get to experience every side of the game. So like I was a role player, my first two years wasn't doing too much. And then by the end of the, of my high school career, I was able to be a more offensive defenseman and kind of like run the power play, things like that. So when I went out to New Hampshire, I was ready for whatever role they gave me. I wasn't, I wasn't some skilled defenseman that couldn't be a fourth line defenseman. 
I was able to use my experience from my freshman and sophomore year to be able to come in to New Hampshire, start at the bottom and work my way up against these really good AAA and prep school players out East. And then, um, I mean, going to OU, it's just kind of like Ohio high school going to OU. It's kind of like a dream for a lot of those kids. And it's just really cool to end up someplace so close to home and still be able to play high level hockey. Well, I, I want to read a quote um, that a guy, and I won't even use his name because I read this interview you did and it actually made me mad. But what you said in it was absolutely amazing. Everyone looks at where I played instead of how I can play. How is that a, a, a microcosm of Ohio high school hockey? Because later in the article, uh, I believe he says, his name's Andrew something, Andrew A. I won't use his full name to get him many credit. But it said, Ohio high school hockey doesn't have the best reputation for producing great players. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was I was same kind of feeling as you. That was a frustrating interview for me just because it kind of reinstated, like, what I was trying to say. It was like, everyone looks at where you play, not how you can play. And um, my biggest experience from that was just that, that jump to New Hampshire when I went in and all these kids are talking about where they played and stuff. And even the coaches asking where we played and stuff like that, like saying I come from Ohio high school, it doesn't carry as much weight as saying like I played for bell tire or something like that. Right. So I was always frustrated in New Hampshire for the first couple months because I felt like I was kind of just getting looked down on because of playing high school hockey when in reality, I mean, by the end of the season, I had more points in playoffs than I did in the whole regular season because they finally gave me the opportunity. And it's just, it's interesting. There's a lot of kids from uh, from Ohio High School and then Columbus High School is very overlooked. But there's so many kids that they could go on and play high-level hockey if it wasn't just for the name dropping that is not in their favor. And um, I'm blessed to be able to make it to Ohio University after playing for Liberty, but um, I really hope we can see some more players be able to come from Ohio high school and not have to have that kind of tarnish on the name, on their name, I guess, because they have to say they played high school. I really believe that a lot of these high school players are just as good as triple A players. Well, I think I Sam, I mean, it comes to your, your mental fortitude as well. That you, I mean, just listen to that story that you're saying you're you're dropping that you're from Ohio high school hockey and people are looking at you and just like, oh, he's just a hot, you know, just another kid who's here to take a fourth line role, and you yeah. you stuck with it until you got that opportunity and you made the most of it. So it's also, you know, I think a lot of young or young listeners need to hear that that the opportunity might not always be there, but it, when it presents itself, what do you do with it? I mean, yeah, look at where, you know, look at where it took you. So kudos to yeah. you on that one. Yeah, thank you. I um, mean, that's across the board in life, too. I mean, you're, you know, sports is supposed to be a teaching ground for life in some way, shape or form. So to continually have doors shut because of where you come from, what you look like, any other thing people want to use, how does that not just fire you up and say, no, you're not stopping me. You're not standing in my way. Exactly. And, and so far, Sam, in your young career at OU, you're uh, you're exceeding what the doubters all thought, and that's fantastic. And we're very, very happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. 
So uh, touching on that OU career so far, Sam, how did your freshman year compare to your expectations, um, both, you know, on the ice, in the classroom, and then, you know, after we're done recording this interview, we could talk about your uh, fest season as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, fest season got cut short because of <laughs> the pandemic, but um, – Wait, as it's, far it's, as, it's, it's, oh, hold on. It's OU. There's a fest every weekend. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely something going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, as far as school and hockey go, um, I, I always wanted, both my parents went to OU. I've been around Athens for a very long time, so I kind of knew I wanted to go there. Um, but the uh, when I first got there, the training camp was very intense. Um, our coach runs, he's very serious right when we get there. So we're working out every day. We're on the ice every day. Um, so that was kind of like a big shock to go from just living in New Hampshire, playing junior hockey to all of a sudden being a freshman in college and trying to figure out school again, but also being in this intense training camp. So when I first got there, it was definitely overwhelming. Um, and I actually got scratched for my first two games. And then uh, after that, started to work my way back up the lineup and uh, didn't get scratched again after that. So I think I started off a little rough, just trying to get used to it, but really found my spot. And um, by the end of the year, I actually started playing. Uh, my D partner was our captain, Jake Houston, who um, he's, at, he's very good friends with Tyler Harkins, but he's an amazing player. He played a couple games in the USHL and spent the rest of his uh, career in the NAHL, I believe. So he was a great mentor to me to be able to just kind of show me the ropes and show me how like to succeed in college hockey. And I think that's why um, like the second half of my season was so successful compared to the first half was just because I was able to learn under an amazing player who, I mean, can't say enough good things about Jake Houston, but I think that was a big thing for me is just having a mentor like that. Andy. Thanks for being patient, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> Big shoes to fill next year. You had success sharing the net with Andrew Vidrick. Do you feel ready to take on a larger role between the pipes uh, this upcoming season? Uh, yeah, I'd say I'm ready. Uh, it was a lot with Vidrick. Uh, great role model. Uh, took me under his wing, like uh, David do when he played with Sam. Uh, the older guys do a really good job with that. Take me under my wing and prepare me as much as they could. What do you look forward to most uh, coming into your senior season? Uh, getting to play those big games. Uh, I haven't always gotten the best competition in my games, but now I'm going to have all I want pretty much. Ooh, loaded, loaded, loaded <laughs> response right there. Get that target, buddy. Get that target on you. I love it. <laughs> hey, man, with an 11-0 record and uh, it was an 864 save percentage, you're, you're, you're more than ready and more than capable. And from the sounds of things, uh, you have an excellent team in front of you. So, I, I think you're going to do just fine. And, and based on the fact that you're on this podcast, I think you're going to do even better. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> so, uh, Andy. You, yeah, well, sir. Well, you no, know, I'm not yeah, go yeah. Go, going into, you know, touch on what Lev said there. I guess what are your um, aspirations for your senior season? But then even taking that one step, you know, further, what, what are your plans after graduation? in terms of hockey and education and, you know, where do you see yourself? Uh, so for the senior season, I bet uh, pretty much every senior has the same goal. We want to win States like every year, uh, nothing less than that. Uh, that's all we want. But um, after high school, 
maybe play juniors. I'm not too sure about that. And then eventually maybe club or uh, college hockey. Any thoughts on where? Where you uh, to Probably attend? here in Ohio. Uh, you see, maybe. Just, I'm just, not too there's sure. A, there's a couple places to choose from here in Ohio. Yeah. <clears throat> and they all have good hockey, so that's good news. Uh, for both the, uh, Andy, Coach, anybody really, there's a pretty robust summer league here in Columbus, or there in Columbus, excuse me, I act like I'm sitting next to you. How many Liberty kids are playing in the Chiller Summer League? Uh, I think we got most of our roster playing, if I believe so. Does that can, – can you guys expand on what that summer league is like for you guys? Uh, it's uh, keeping us on the ice. Uh, keeping us on the ice with good competition, uh, practicing like game situation stuff. You can only get so much from drills, so the games is nice. Right. Coach, how, how do you <laughs> – subconsciously use the summer league to better the players? Well, that's been really easy for us uh, just because, you know, having Caruso, having Wishloff, having the guys that we're sending them off to uh, has made it real easy for us to not worry about them too much. Uh, some of our guys were on the ice three hours today. Uh, uh, probably maybe also some bad planning, but we tried to work around same summer program too. Uh, so some of our guys were dragging from our 4.30 to 5.30 ice, so we decided not to condition at the end. But um, so no, it's worked out really well. And um, that is the neat thing I think that's going on. When I started helping out Hoogie, uh, the man that I love who started the Liberty program, uh, I think our guys, even when Sam started, probably, I think the, it was, I don't know how to explain this in a nice PG rated way, but I don't know that every guy was there to do much of uh, really get to the next level workout and play to a high, high level. Um, now we've got, you know, I've got a tough decision now that we haven't had in previous years where I've got 28 kids that are going to be fighting for 20 spots. So, and that's kind of the neat thing that we have going on that it's really up to these kids. So they know they got to work hard, whether it's summer league, whether it's our skates, uh, whether it's a weight room, uh, unfortunately, all of them don't listen. Uh, some of the kids come back just like they left in the spring. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then they, they come to me and say, what do I need to work on? I said, uh, six months ago, the weight room um, <laughs> can't help you right now, but uh you still got about three, four more months to go hit the weight room too. Cause that is one thing uh, that the Cleveland and Toledo teams do much better than us. Their, their arm strength, their body strength, they usually come in, they're a little meaner, a little stronger. And that's something that uh, we got a lot of the little skinny uh, Liberty kids, privileged Liberty kids here that we got to beef up a little bit. So, so we're always working on that. <laughs> Thankfully, we got guys like Keeler and, and Sam that by the time they get here to their senior year, uh, pretty big, strong kids now that uh, most of our seniors are in pretty good shape, ready to go. Well, over the course of all your seasons there at Liberty, you can see the progression of yourself and, and Hoagie's influence on the boys. And can you speak on what – I guess what that transition has been like. I mean, the last four years you've been at district finals. 2017 yeah. state finalist. I mean, it was can you speak on that transition from when you guys came together as 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 coaches to to current? Yeah, I think that we've had probably great captains. Um, I think Sam was a part of that. Uh 
Keeler's got a group of seniors in the same thing. I think we started a transition into, there was always good players at Liberty. I think we've had better leaders, so they've made our jobs easier. Uh, I know as I started to help Hoogie, one of the transitions I started to make was that uh, we were going to start to be better individuals, um, better teammates, and stay out of trouble. Not that we had a bunch of trouble in Liberty Hockey, but uh, we started to put emphasis on uh, that we had kids, you know, there's a combination of kids that do want to play after high school. Um, so we're trying to set this up. So this is serious business. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Um, we got to break this Buffalo Bills thing that we got going on after three <laughs> district final losses in a row. So, um, that's the big plan this year that, uh, is top of our list. But, um, I think, we're seeing a little bit of progression. We've put, you know, I hope Sam would think one of the things we did for him was teach him that it was a two-way game as well, uh, along with Coach Darwin that we have now. Uh, so we're trying to teach these kids to play the right way uh, to where this isn't just score goals and uh, loaf back. So we're trying to teach these kids the right way. It wins more games and it's our only chance and hopefully uh, as these kids move on, it's going to help them as well to learn how to play the right way. How much of your time coming up in pro hockey has prepared you for coaching the high school kids? I mean, first of all, you never had a season under 50 points. If I'm playing for you as a forward, you say it, it's the Bible. Straight up. Yeah. Then the fact that if they were to see the picture I saw of you in that old Joe Fabucket, I, look, I, I'm sure you can take a joke, coach, but – uh, three seasons in pro, uh, never under 50 points. Eh, yeah. Probably still not bringing that picture up. I think the key was you didn't mention the mullet, though. I had a be- some beautiful hair, too. It was under that helmet. I, I didn't, the, I didn't want to, the, there's certain things I don't want to touch about, talk about. Out the back of the Yaffa, I had some really good <laughs> hair yeah. flying out there. So, <laughs> uh, I think I caught the East Coast when uh, the chill got a little more mature. The league got a little better. I think D1 college hockey and AAA in Detroit was probably better preparation. Uh, we had a good coach in uh, Coach Tara Raskowski in the chill, but uh, those first two years I played, there was so much fighting going on that um, for the chill, <laughs> we had such a tough team. I'm not sure how much. I did learn a lot about hockey fighting those first two years. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, we had a good mix of uh, six of us would score goals and the other 10 guys would just uh, light it up with fights. So we had the perfect formula for a record amount of sellouts back then. But <laughs> So I think D1 hockey and AAA hockey was probably the best thing that's prepared. But um, I learned a lot from Hoogie. I've learned a lot. Uh, I've learned a lot from these players. I've learned a lot from the guys. I think we're just starting to figure things out. I think... Uh, Coach Murphy, Jerome is, you know, building his program better and Sangster and the trip and the UA and the new Albany guys are all doing things the right way. We got to figure out how to, how to learn how to block shots like new Albany. Cause I think we had about 70, 80 shots attempt in that district finals and that kid stopped all but two of them until the end. Well, I think if you go back in, in earlier uh, podcast episodes, coach bus uh, actually diagrammed how he went about doing that. He told us not to air it, but it slipped through the cracks and came out. So if you guys check it out, I'm sure Coach Bus won't mind at all. All right, all right, we're gonna go back. I like it. Uh, one thing, Coach, I want to say, you know, just a testament to you, and I hope that you know your players see it. Just the fact, listening to you talk tonight, the f- that you were just saying, you're still learning. 
that you're, you know, you don't go about it thinking you, you know, it's the end all be all that, you know, everything that you're still learning, you know, um, myself being in my young coaching career, you know, that rubs off on the players of, you know, seeing if your, your mentor is still, you know, learning the process and figuring it out makes them want to get better. Um, but before we wrap it up, just one more question, uh, to coach and to Andy, the way Andy was talking, you know, you guys are going to be set between the pipes this year, but how is the rest of the team shaping up for the 2020, 2021 campaign? Uh, so our seniors are a lot different than our old seniors. Uh, we've got a lot of hard workers. Um, guys are putting in tons of hours more than they have before. I think our upperclassmen are really taking care of that and uh, getting better. Um, then we've got some young talent coming in. Like coach said, we had a freshman last year, Carson Reynolds. He's pretty good. Uh, and then we've got two new guys, one who moved in and then one who came from the AAA program. So I think we're going to have a pretty solid team this year. Yeah, I think we're probably worried just a little bit about our young defense, but uh, that's okay. Keeler's going to stop them all, and he doesn't need good defensemen anyway, so we're in good shape there. So, you know, we'd love to have a Sam Turner back there, and we've got some really good young defensemen, so that's probably our only little bit of a question mark on the team right now. I think we got a lot of good forwards coming back and some scores and some other folks, so uh, if our defense holds up, we're going to be in great shape. Have you guys, being closer to the state capital, heard uh, any more on what the possibility is of us even having a season? Yeah, it's uh, not not enough as we would like, and I wouldn't say that we're in the know here. Uh, but like everything else in this pandemic, I'm not sure that anybody's in the know. I'm not sure uh, that Sam's 100% sure OU is going to be playing. I'm not sure that we're hundred uh, percent that Liberty is going to be playing. It looks like USA hockey is full steam ahead right now. Uh, so I'm hoping uh, one of the neat things that we have seen with the OHSAA though, uh, is the desire that I think for the mental health and the well-being of the athletes in this state, I've been pleasantly surprised as the, us, them giving us the ability to get our athletes out to work. Um, so, so far they've been really great about that. Um, but I really couldn't tell you if you had a coin, we could flip it right now to see if we're going to be playing <laughs> hockey. I did have a couple parents ask if we were going to set up a travel team for, uh, through another Avenue if OHSAA shut us down, but the OHSAA I think has been very gracious as, as our school district about how, how we got to get these kids out and not have them sitting at home doing, not doing anything. So, so far, I think if school's open, I, I'd have a good feeling that they would want us playing in some way, shape, or form unless this pandemic gets worse. I don't know about the the mental status of the players. I know the mental status of the coaches. We needed to get on the ice, and it was huge. I mean, the first couple of weeks we were on the ice, it was just like, oh, thank goodness. Now, if we could all just wear a mask and stay in a bubble like the NHL's doing right now, we'll have a full season. It'll be fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I can only hope, I guess. But guys, thank you so much for, for spending your time with us today. Um, Sam, best of luck with you in the, in the rest of your collegiate career, as well as your academic career. Thank you. Um, ex- excited to watch and follow along as, as, as a proud alumni does. <laughs> um, I hope you guys have a season and, and best of luck with all that, that comes with that. Coach, Andy, um, I look forward to hopefully seeing you guys uh, up here in Cleveland soon. That means our season's a goal. 
We're able to travel and everything is great. Uh, continued success to both you guys, to all three of you guys. Coach, you're doing a hell of a job down there. And uh, it's always fun watching your teams play. It's, it's a testament to yourself and, and those coaches you have with you. They're always a class, class model on and off the ice. And uh, so thank you again for taking your time to uh, speak with us today. You got it. Thanks for the kind words and best of luck. And uh, yeah, hope to see you guys soon. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. Find out how to try out for a junior hockey team in your area at usphl.com. Danny, we're a man down today, but we were packed full of action. Two great interviews today. What, four total guests. Coach Chilino over there at Gilmore. A great speaker. An energetic guy. Does his work. Is obviously building the right way over there at Gilmore. Well, hell, he has for the last eight years, at least at Gilmore, and and, and obviously previous before that. And and just a, just a, we know about Gilmore obviously being here in Cleveland. They're obviously making a huge name for themselves throughout North America and and beyond. And it was it was a fun interview to learn more about the different avenues a player can take to get to the same place. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, it was, it was fun. You know, I know some about the the prep league, but it was fun to hear a little bit more in depth with everything. Um, and coach coach made her job easy, you know, ask him a, a short question and, you know, he talked and gave us answers. And um, again, it was just real, real nice to sit down with him and then, you know, taking the time to sit down with Liberty coach uh, Alexander and, you know, some of his players um biggest thing I took away from that and I mentioned it to coach during the interview was the fact that he said he's still learning he's still trying to get better and then you look at somebody like Sam who said when he went to New Hampshire he was back at the bottom and he could have just gave up but he kept learning trying to get better found a mentor found a role model in that situation ended up coming to OU got placed in the same situation found that senior mentor learned from them and it's constantly getting better. So, you know, again, that's just a testament to coach and what he's instilling in those, you know, those young boys over there that it's, you don't know it all. Continue to learn and to better yourself no matter what, you know, avenue or where you end up. A hundred percent. I mean, we've had the opportunity to speak to coach on a few occasions when we cross paths in the rinks. And the thing that, that struck me most from him on this interview was that, he's having fun and that fun is, is contagious. And the boys seem like they're having fun in their hockey careers, be it, you know, when they were at Liberty or if they're currently at Liberty. And also it's almost a chip on your shoulder with how, how they go about the day to improve, you know, we'll show you, let's prove it. Let's, let's, let's continue to get better. And I think that I I would venture a guess if, if we, pulled the, the, the players, let's say, at Liberty because that's who we just spoke with and others around the league, that when you're having fun, you like playing for the guy. And not every day is going to be all roses and, and all hunky-dory, but a guy that understands that it is a game and it is fun, yet instills in his captains and that leadership passes on down that, yeah, if you want to continue to have that fun, you got to bust your butt. And, and I thought that listening to Sam's uh, uh, rise to the ACHA 
and what he took from Liberty and what he took from uh, New Hampshire and what he is now learning and taking from Ohio University is a testament to the guys that came before him. And in turn, he's almost giving back in, in the summer skates with the boys now. And Andy is not phased, not phased at all. He's ready to go, drop the puck, referee, look down and make sure he's ready. You don't need to. No. And Andy Keeler's in that and he's ready to go. It was another good conversation. I love when we get a chance to talk to the guys in Columbus. It's no more can you say they are up and coming. They've arrived and they're making noise. I know it was, you know, maybe five, ten years ago you could say they're up and coming. No. Columbus hockey is on the map. There's a star next to it. They're doing it the correct way. They're growing, as as Coach alluded to, they're growing from all levels, be it the youth to the travel to the high school and helping the guys that want to go on move on. And and you know, we see something like that as Sully brings up quite often in St. Louis when the guys stayed home or the guys stayed in town after their careers were finished. And, and, you know, hats off to the Columbus Blue Jackets for continuing to grow the game down there. And, you know, another good, fun episode to be a part of for sure. Without a doubt. Well, rack them. That's a wrap on episode 16 of On Air. We'd like to thank our guests from Gilmore Academy Prep, head coach, Mike Cellino, and from the Liberty Patriots head coach, Kevin Alexander, goaltender Andy Keeler, and alum and Ohio University Bobcat, Sam Turner. Check back next week when we make our way to the D. We get the chance to talk to longtime friend of the show and current Warrior hockey rep, Steve Rimshaw. A long time in the making getting this interview going, and it's going to be a good one. Spoke with him yesterday. He says, give us, we're going to need about four hours. He's got stories out the wazoo, but we're going to have to corral him back a little bit. But as, as Steve is a very good friend of ours, and he's a fun, fun guy and a great friend, it ought to be a good time. You can find the On Air Podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episode archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game as best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Again, uh, we'd just like to send our condolences out to Sylvania youth hockey community, um, the entire Ohio hockey community, on the passing of nine-year-old Jackson Weiss. Six out for one four. Well